everybody. This is Dave Sturcho here, and this is another episode of All About the Star right here on the Chop Sports Podcast Network. We are already in week two, believe it or not. And, of course, my Dallas Cowboys, our Dallas Cowboys, this Cowboy Nation, uh, fall a little short. Uh, I won't get into the Tampa Bay game too much. This isn't what this podcast is about because, look, by the time you hear this, it's already Wednesday. We are way eyes forward um, to the next week. So we're going to stay away from Tampa Bay. If you do want to hear my thoughts about Tampa Bay, you can head on over to the Blogging the Boys podcast network where me, Brett Ernst, and Keith Ernst broke down Tampa Bay. That episode aired on Sunday. We are always the hype show. Just so happens that, you know, the, the game fell on a Thursday, so we had to do something kind of relatively quick on a Friday morning with our first thoughts of the Dallas Cowboy game. The only thing I'll say about uh, this past week is that they played very well. And I know there's no moral victories um, in, in professional sports, let alone football, uh, but I do think that the Dallas Cowboys are treading, trending in the right direction. They went toe-to-toe with the world champions. That's all you can probably say about that. Uh, it was basically a who had the ball last, won the game, and, of course, you gave Tom Brady, the greatest quarterback of all time, uh, the last the last drive. It felt re- very reminiscent of every time we ever gave Aaron Rodgers the ball with some time on the clock. So that that hurts uh, to know where it's coming. Um, so with that, you know, again, it's easy to move on. Uh, it's a long season. Now that it's a 17-game season, it feels a little better because now it's like, okay, you got that game out the way. Now there's a 16-game season in front of you. You know, can the Cowboys go 16-1? and one? Probably not, but I'm just saying, I think it's a fresh start for the Dallas Cowboys who played a very, very good team. Now, as far as the updates with the roster moves and injuries and everything that just happened with the Dallas Cowboys over the course of one week, um, we lost Michael Gallup for a little while. I have a lot of confidence in a, in a Cedric Wilson. I do. Um, I think that he's a gadget guy. I think he's also a guy that can play the slot. I think he's a guy that can also play on the outside if called upon. Because you want to keep C.D. Lamb where he is. And he's he excels in the slot underneath uh, the crossing patterns, all that stuff. That's where C.D. Lamb lives. Uh, so I think Cedric Wilson, a little sprinkle of Noah Brown, um, they have the capabilities to replace, not replace, but whether that storm, it's going to be however long it's going to be. Uh, for Michael Gallup, they're saying about five weeks. So I do think it's, it's difficult uh, to foresee you know, the, the Dallas Cowboys will take too many steps back when it comes to losing a Michael Gallup. Now, this is a contract year for Gallup. You know, MG really needs to get back on the field sooner rather than later to up his value and up his worth uh, in order for the Cowboys to even contemplate re-signing him long-term. Now, how do they do that? Don't ask me because there's so much cap restructuring and this, that, and a third. Like, it's just, there's too much. Amari Cooper makes $20 million a year. It's going to be difficult. It's it's not going to be easy for the Cowboys to keep this trio, so they really want to get back on the field and start playing together again soon. Uh, we do get Zach Martin back, um, our all-pro right guard. Uh, he comes back this week, and he will be protecting Tony Romo. Uh, Tony Romo, listen to me. He will be protecting Dak Prescott, who played the game of his life last week. So dare, how dare I uh, disregard Rain Dakota Prescott? Uh, but anyway, he'll be back. The, the running game, I'll get into that in a second. But I will say that Zach Martin being back is great. Now, insert Zach Martin, take out LC. Lyle Collins out. Apparently, this whole story is kind of wacky. Um, I think that this thing gets resolved in a way where 
at least the suspension gets reduced because I'm looking at it and I'm everything I'm reading, whether it be at bloggingtheboys.com or NFL.com or you know DallasCowboys.com, everywhere you read a credible source when it comes to this story in particular is the fact that there was no failed test. There was no failed drug test. He's not, you know, popped for any kind of banned substance. It's a matter of missing the test itself, missing the the actual date of a test. And apparently there were mitigating situations where he just couldn't get there or maybe it was a timing thing or I don't know. But the fact that he was tested so many times in a short span leads me to believe that this league, I'm sorry, like, I look, it's like I don't like blaming the refs for certain things. I feel like the league has something out for the Cowboys. I really do. I mean, look, it's been 25, 26 years since they appeared in a Super Bowl, and I'm not just saying they didn't have the talent. You know what I mean? There's always something going on with the Dallas Cowboys where, you know, everybody complained that hard knocks was so boring, right? And hard knocks didn't have any context, and hard knocks just didn't have a great storyline. Well, that, that was a good thing for the Cowboys because there was no drama. There was no bullshit. You know what I mean? So, for Collins to miss five games because of a missed, a few missed tests, uh, leads me to believe that there's a there's a vendetta. There really is. I I, I can't cut it anywhere. I told you from Jump Street that I would take the gloves off, and I think Roger Goodell has a hard on for the Dallas Cowboys and making sure that they're not successful. Is it because he's jealous that Jerry Jones probably has more money than him? Maybe. You know what I mean? Like, But look, the, it starts back with the Ezekiel Elliott thing. When you're suspending a guy for six games with no backing, no no judgments, no course, uh, court hearings, none of that stuff actually held up. Um, the only thing that held up or the only thing that was discussed more was the appeals and the appeals and the appeals. But Roger Goodell drops his little hammer and says you're getting six games anyway. But yet here we are sitting and we're going into week two and not one iota of a of a breath has been breathed okay about deshaun watson and his situation okay there's no there's 27 million girls who came through or came you know came forward with all their stories but here we are we're not we're not going to take their word for it right now we're going to let the process go on that's bullshit because zeke elliott same thing and that was one bad accusation in which was debunked so I think the NFL has a hard on for the Cowboys, and I think that this is a problem. Now, what the reports are saying is that at right tackle will be Terrence Steele. Now, my first knee-jerk reaction was break glass in case of emergency. That's the that's the you know the little cliche and the quote that they've been using uh, around the Cowboys media. To me, it was a simple thing. Connor McGovern played well at right guard in replacement for Zach Martin. His pass coverage, his pass blocking was a lot better than his run blocking. But it was passable, you know, and, and it worked. And, and the offensive line was not the reason why the Dallas Cowboys lost game one. So, me, the obvious answer is, Zach Martin's back. Swing his ass out the right tackle. And there you go. You have the best five linemen on your team still playing. See, the Cowboys see it differently. I think they are worried about Zach Martin getting hurt playing tackle. You know, it's not his position. He's out of position. You don't want to hurt your all-pro again uh, like last year. So, Terrence Steele is the next man up at right tackle. How do I feel about this? Well, he's not Chaz Green. I'm not worried about Dak Prescott getting sacked 67 times in one game. I am worried about one of the Bosa brothers coming for Dak's head. I am worried about that. I am. You know, so that, those are the kind of things that, that rub me the wrong way when it comes to, you know, this is an emergency. You do not want to start 0-2 
in 2021. You don't want to do it. I know there's a lot of time to make up lost time, and the schedule gets a little easier as we go because the home games come up and the Cowboys can, like, right the ship. But to me, you got to steal one here. You got to steal one on the road, and the one on the road has to be this week. And I'm not calling it a must win. I'm not because it's, it, again, we are in literally the third week, of, uh, second week of September. You know, there's a lot of football left to be played. We're going to be playing regular season games all the way through almost middle of January. Okay. So there's a lot, uh, there's a lot going on um, in, 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 in the season where things can turn around, you know, things can definitely turn around, but you just don't want to start off. zero and two and income the Las Vegas, uh, Los Angeles chargers, who just got a win, thank you, over the Washington football team because they decided to basically ruin Ryan Fitzpatrick's career for the rest of the go. Because, look, he's old, and if that's a hip, broken hip, hip replacement talk, you know, that's it. It's it for him. And, 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 and I'm not saying that, like, you know, confidently because I don't know what kind of magic Fitzmagic has to pull out of the hat again, but I think it might be the end of the road. The, the Washington football team is going to go to Taylor Heineke, uh, who played last year, who there was a lot of hype around him after one week of, of showing us showing the world something in prime time. Like, can they rely on him? I don't know. Are they in the Cam Newton conversation? Are they going to make a move for, uh, I don't know, I predicted a Nick Foles because he's sitting there with literally in street clothes and a clipboard, and the guy wants to play. So that could possibly be another potential landing spot. Do I want to deal with another Nick Foles bullshit in the NFCs? No, I do not. <laughs> I do not want to deal with that. Um, but I will say this. Uh, so going into this game, it's you absolutely have to have it now what did we see in the tampa game that gets you excited about the following game you know the next game week two how do they bounce back well Dak prescott played out of his mind he played unbelievable football and you know i know it's 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 funny and we all say it like kind of like with a smirk and we listen to the we everybody heard the audio you know nfl films caught it like that's this what they do uh they just they run to the middle of the field they throw their boom mic in somebody's face and they catch the audio and dak prescott you know congratulates tom brady on the win and says we will see you again okay so that means one thing playoff time okay whether that's in Dallas or that's in Tampa Bay, that remains to be seen. But Dallas obviously has to get out of their own way first and actually has to win a division and get to the playoffs in order for them to see that. Um, are all signs pointing that Tampa Bay should should be the number one seed? I don't know. I mean, Green Bay looked like absolute garbage, but I, I believe that's a one-week fix. I, I don't think that's – I think that's just a Aaron Rodgers getting his feet wet again. No preseason, no basically no OTAs, no nothing out of Aaron Rodgers. And, yes, I know he won an MVP without those that same practice schedule, but he's another year older. You know, he looks a little disinterested. He looked a little kind of like, eh, I don't really want to be here right now to answer your stupid questions after the game, and rightfully so. He's pissed. Uh, but will Tampa Bay be there? We'll see. But now Dak Prescott, his play this past week was very inspiring. If you're a Dallas Cowboy fan, it puts a lot of a lot of the critiques to bed. I think that this guy is a gamer. I think he can throw the long ball. I think he can lace it in there. I think he's got some zip. There was one ball, probably his best ball of the day, that was dropped by CeeDee Lamb over the middle. Like, at first, I'm like, oh, great throw, Dak. Like, Jesus Christ, you know? And then they show the replay, and I'm like, oh, my God. Like, he, he laced it in there, and, and CeeDee Lamb should have caught it. Uh, CeeDee with the dropsies early on. And that, that's alarming, but I don't buy I don't buy it that that's going to be a, you know, a going forward thing. It's not going to be a going forward thing, and I truly believe that there won't be – there won't be that many drops next game, and, and the, the game plan is going to change. Now, what made me really happy about this Dallas Cowboys team is that, 
you know, Dak took command of the offense. From what we're hearing from, you know, the horse's mouth himself, Kellen Moore, the offensive coordinator, that 28 running calls were called, and he audibled out of 12 at the line. So right off the rip, you're thinking, like, I can't believe Zeke didn't get as many touches, and he's, you know, he can't get off the ground, and this, that, and a third, and he can't get outside, he can't make one guy miss. Like, there was a lot of runs called for Zeke. He should have gotten, if you think about it, probably 20-plus touches in, in game one. But Dak Prescott got to the line, he assessed what was going on in the line, and he checked down. He checked out of the run and threw the rock. And when he threw the rock, more than more times out of that, more completions out of incompletions. His completion percentage was great. He threw the ball 58 times. Some quarterbacks in the NFL won't throw that in two weeks. You know what I mean? Like, because you're going to limit their abilities in 25 to 30 attempts a week is like a cap for some of these young kids. This guy threw the ball almost 60 times in week one. It's not alarming to me. It's, it's reassurance that this offense, this coaching staff, this organization believes in Dak Prescott to be the guy going forward. Um, clearly, with the contract, you would think that's the thing. But there are still naysayers out there. There are still people out there that really, they get nervous and they're like, ah, I don't know, we'll see. You know, But this kind of silenced the crowd. The Tampa Bay defense and secondary are the best in the world at what they do. So for Dak Prescott to kind of have his way with him and Amari Cooper run his routes and CeeDee Lamb outside the drops had himself a decent day and even Michael Gallup had a couple nice, you know, routes that he ran and then you have Dalton Schultz and you have Blake Jarwin and you have Ezekiel Elliott and you have Tony Pollard. This is a good, good offense and I think just based off of what we saw against Tampa Bay. Now, I'm not saying that, you know, you can walk all over uh, Los, uh, Los Angeles. I'm not saying that at all. But what I am saying is, they are not Tampa Bay. They do have a lot of good playmakers. They have uh, they have a Bosa. They have you know a, a Derwin James. They have decent corners. They have a good front. They're a good team, and they just showed that by beating the Washington football team. So they're one and zero, riding high, and now they get to open up the stadium, similar to what we just saw the Rams do on Sunday night last Sunday night, similar to what we just saw on Monday night football with the Raiders getting to open up their place with fans. Now the charge it's the Chargers' turn. They're the last team to get the fans in their stadium, and we're going to find out where the energy is. And I, I, I firmly believe Justin Herbert. Now, this is where I said it in the beginning when I was going game by game. I gave the Cowboys a loss here uh, in L.A. I said we would beat Tampa Bay and then trip up because of the high horse that we were on, right? But something that Brett had said on the Jersey Boys podcast, Brett Ernst, he said that, you know, these first couple games are going to be the punches in the mouth that this Cowboys team might need to go on that longer run. Similar to 2016, when, you know, Terrence Williams catches that ball, doesn't get out of bounds, clock runs out, we lose to the Giants, right? Everybody, the world's falling. Dak's a rookie, Zeke's a rookie. You know, nobody knows what. We rip off like 11 straight or 12 straight. I'm pretty sure it was 11. You know what I mean? So, like, I think that that has a similar feel to what's about to happen with the Dallas Cowboys. I think that their defense played exactly the way that we envisioned this defense could play, and that's middle-of-the-pack type defense. They weren't world beaters. They didn't get a lot of pressure up front, but they did make the plays when they needed to make plays. Yes, Anthony Brown saw the back of Antonio Brown's jersey way too early. Okay, There was a lot of times where I'm just like, holy hell, where the hell is even Michael Parsons going? Sometimes he had the the yips and the, and the rookie miscues, right? There was a couple plays, and I, I can't harp on it enough, how out of place and out of uh, just, I don't know, man, out of position, doesn't know what he's doing. Jalen Smith, once again, proves to me that he has no business being on this team 
or possibly in the NFL. I won't say that much because, you know, he's a good dude and I'm sure he can play at certain spots, but there are plays out there that I'm watching that I'm simply saying, what in the hell is Jalen Smith thinking right now? And, I'm, and there's plays that me and my brother and my father, we're all just sitting there. I'm like, you got to watch 54, uh, 54. Now, now, now even worse, he has to watch nine. You know, you're going to ruin the number nine here by playing like hot garbage. And I don't think that's necessarily, uh, you know, a, a thing that could last or, or, you know, be consistent. Maybe he can change things up. But again, something my dad brought up and I completely agree. And I'm not saying me or my dad are the expert. Service Team of Professionals, a.k.a. Stop Restoration of Edison, is a locally owned and operated business that provides professional disaster cleaning and restoration services, including a 24-hour emergency service to homeowners, property managers, real estate investors, and insurance companies alike. Stop Restoration helps people overcome the stress and anxiety of unforeseen circumstances caused by fire, smoke, water, mold, and other unexpected damages. As part of a nationally recognized restoration franchise, Stop Restoration of Edison is backed by the best technical advisors and business consultants in the country. Visit them right now online at www.stop-edison.com. But you got to get some kind of consistency out of this linebacking core. You know, you can't just say like, all right, we're going to give Jalen and Van Der Esch, you know, 15 snaps. And then we're going to give Neil and Parsons like 40 snaps. And then we're going to mix in some this and that. And like, let's swap it. No, you need some kind of something. You got to get guys to gel. You got to get guys to play together. While I understand on the defensive line, a rotation is good. Or as Brett Ernst would say, a rotation. Okay, I understand that's good. And fresh legs are better than, than winded, you know what I mean? And, and, and gassed. I get that. Have depth at certain positions. Perfect. I understand. But with this, you just want the generals. You want the guys that you know are going to make the plays on the field. I'm not here to sit there and say, well, maybe if we give Jalen limited snaps, it might help his confidence when he's on the field. But guess what, folks? When he's on the field, he's no good. You know, when he's on the field, he's not reading the play. When he's on the field, he's running around like a maniac, like somebody just chopped his legitimate head off, and he doesn't know which direction to run. I can't do that all year long again. I personally can't. I know you guys, if you're listening to the sound of my voice, you can't do that again, okay? you We can't deal with that. Van Der Esch, another story, okay? That's another story with Leighton Van Der Esch. He's okay at what he does, and if he stays healthy, he is a piece that you can rotate in and out, and the guy can get you know horizontal and track down a player and lay the wood and do those kinds of things that the linebackers are supposed to do. But I will say... If you want to sprinkle in Leighton Van Der Esch, fine. But Micah Parsons and Keanu Neal and Jabril Cox, those new guys on your team fit the mold of what Dan Quinn wants to do. Dan Quinn inherited Jalen Smith, inherited Leighton Van Der Esch. He even inherited Anthony Brown. And he inherited Trayvon Diggs, you know. But for the majority of it, these are Dan Quinn guys on this defense. And if Dan Quinn, who is historically led some of the greatest defenses in NFL history, you need to let him have his guys. And if that doesn't include Jalen Smith, then I'm sorry. But everybody else that's on that team has a Dan Quinn thumbprint on it right now, except for Jalen and except for uh, Leighton Van Der Esch and, of course, the, the corners. The defensive linemen, that, 
you know, those edge rushers are all world once they get going. Demarcus Lawrence is great, and Randy Gregory, who we didn't bring up, has tested positive for COVID, so we don't know if we're going to have Randy Gregory in this game. So that bodes a problem. Um, but I will say that this is the Dorrance Armstrong show now, and this is the Bradley and I show now. So those guys are going to get up in the rotation and hopefully step it up because I, I, I don't know if there's an answer. You can't let Justin Herbert sit back there and kind of dice us up. Keenan Allen, to me, still one of the better route runners in the game, still one of the better better uh, 50-50 ball guys in the game. He is that guy. Um, they still have a, a great running game in Austin Eckler. There's going to be a lot of guys and a lot of headaches for the Dallas Cowboys this week. But I think, again, without calling it a must win, you got to win. You got to win this week because then they had the home opener the following week in which I'll be in the house. So, if, again, you're listening to the sound of my voice, shoot me a DM. Let's meet up. Let's grab a beer. You know, let's, let's talk Dallas Cowboys football. It'll be fun. I'm excited about it. Uh, but I will say this, the Dallas Cowboys looked a lot better than any other NFC East team this past weekend. I, you cannot, you cannot tell me that you're going to buy into the Philadelphia Eagles for beating up the, the one of the worst teams in football, and that's the Atlanta Falcons. And I called it on my own Chop Sports podcast. I said the Atlanta Falcons will win two games this year. And I gave them one of them against Philly. So imagine that. Maybe they don't win any. I don't know. They just don't look right. Matt Ryan doesn't look right. So I'm not going to put stock into the Philadelphia Eagles right now. I'm just not doing it. I don't have, I, I'm not doing it because I'm a Cowboys fan. I'm doing it from a football perspective where I don't think Jalen Hurts, you know, Jalen Hurts got a nice little confidence boost this week by beating up on a bad team. But let's, let's, see, him, let's see him fight. You know, let's see him scratch, crawl from being down a little bit. They coasted that game. We'll find out. The New York football giants, I'm, I mean, for the love of God, I call them the most improved team in the NFC East, even over the Cowboys. I felt like the, that their defense was good and improved. The only thing they didn't touch was the offensive line, and guess what? That was their biggest bugaboo against the, the Denver Broncos. The fact that they couldn't protect Daniel Jones, the fact that they couldn't get the running game off the ground, the fact that Daniel Jones is turning the ball over again, I'm not worried about the New York Giants anymore. I was for about a week, I guess. I'm done with it. I'm, I'm over it. And the Washington football team have a lot of questions now. You know, without your gunslinging old head as, as your quarterback, who's it going to be? You know, are they going to find lightning in a bottle with, with, uh, with Tyler, uh, Taylor, whatever the hell his name is, Heineke? Are they going to find that? I don't know. I don't know. But this is the Dallas Cowboys division to lose. Okay, I'm saying right now they are way above and beyond those other three teams in the division. And it starts this week. If they can go into L.A., steal a game on the road, and then get back home to play their Monday night football opener against the Philadelphia Eagles where they're giving Jimmy Johnson and, and Cliff Harris and Drew Pearson their, their rings for their Hall of Fame. Like It's going to be a great night. People are going to be beaming about all the pageantry that is Dallas Cowboys football. And I think, I think they get it done this week in another one of those games where we're just going to have to hold our breath until the very, very end. And, and when there's not going to be even, even the games against Philly and Atlanta and, and teams that we play down the road there. I don't think the Cowboys have a laugher in them. I don't know if they can blow the doors off a team and, and, and shut them out. I, I don't, I don't see that happening. There's too many holes in that defense for me to think that they can do something like that. But I will say this, the Dallas Cowboys have to have it this week and they will get it this week. So, enjoy the game. Los Angeles, California. Brand new stadium. Once again, they're going to open this bad boy up. Justin Herbert against Dak Prescott. A lot of cool storylines developing as the weeks go on. But this is the game they got to have. And they will get it. And I'll see you guys next week.